there's series we do that are like defining moments in the life of this church. This series is a defining moment because God is anchoring us in bigger things than just emotionalism and just goosebumps. And I love goosebumps. I'm an emotional person. I cry a lot. I get goosebumps. I, I loved it. But, you know, there's those times when you walk with Jesus like Job where there's no goosebumps. And it's hard. It's painful. It's dry. It's challenging. Paint death disease, afflictions, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's life. Life is hard. And it's, I, 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 you know, there's great seasons and then there's really hard seasons. And so this morning, I want to kind of help you see, because at the end of this book, Job, after being assaulted by what were called his friends, he reconciles with them. He, he takes their sacrifices that God tells them to bring and he offers them and he prays for his friends. One of the kindest, generous, most generous things I've ever seen. I mean, you think of people that have hurt you deeply. Now, this isn't sloppy forgiveness in the sense of these guys are just going to come back and beat on him some more. That's not repentance. These guys have been told by God, you're in the wrong. And, and you, I'm not happy with you. And they repent. And the last word in the book of Job, it's not about God's anger. It's about God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And so, but what prepared Job to do that? Not just because he's a great guy. You know, being a great guy will run out eventually. You might know someone that's, they're really a nice person. Nice will run out at some point. Life will bring you to the point where you're not nice enough. You're not good enough. You're not perfect enough. That's why we needed a savior. You can't save yourself. So the book of Job is, is this his grueling journey through this test that he doesn't know why that he's in it. He doesn't feel it's fair, and he thinks it's God that's assaulting him. And we know it's the enemy. God's allowed it. So at, it, I want you to see again, at the beginning of the book, it starts with Job making sacrifices for his children. At the end of the book, he's making sacrifices for his friends. It's, he's acting as a priest, but in the middle of the book, he cries out. Last week, we talked about him. I need a priest. I need a media. I need someone to come and be my friend and pray for me. And that's what God has called every believer. In the New Testament, there's not a certain segment category of special people that we call priests that wear different clothes. In the New Testament, when the veil was torn, it says we all now have access to God at the death of Jesus. And so we are called a kingdom of priests by the New Testament writers. We're all called to be priests. That doesn't mean you get, you know, to wear certain clothes or, you know, it just means you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You get, as we celebrated Thursday night, many people that serve in the church, you just get to serve a cup of coffee in the name of Jesus. And to Jesus, that's a big deal. Serving children and working in the, in the kids' ministry in the nursery or going and helping repair. We had somebody in the last service that came to Jesus because somebody that serves in the kitchen, their next-door neighbor came over and helped them tear out and remodel their dis damaged hurricane home. They didn't do it with the intention that we're going to get them to church, but they did it with the intention that we're going to demonstrate the love of Jesus. They came to church, sat right over here. She came to Jesus this morning. The backstory is Wayne and uh, Teresa, Wayne and Teresa, I get it wrong, Wayne and Tina, Wayne and Tina have been serving. They've been priests. 
not being religious and beating them over the head with the Bible. So what I want to show you this morning is how Job becomes this, this ugly priest. And you'll hopefully better understand the word ugly. Some of you that have been around get it, what it means to us. It's not a secret code word, but it has a different application that hopefully this message will help you get. That's why we call Job my ugly priest. And so I want you to see the university that Job attends in order to get his credentials to be an ugly priest. So it's, we're going to start where it begins in the book of Job, and we're going to end where it began. So you stay with me. So in Job chapter 2, he's already lost all his possessions. He's lost all of his children. And now the enemy has come with God's allowing him to afflict him with horrible disease. We don't know what all, but it was there. Someone has counted like 20 different symptoms. You could go just through the book if you have a medical background and find the different you know, symptoms of everything from, 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 from uh, just the skin rotting to, and we did just horrible. And, and, and we don't know for sure what he had, but he had an affliction from the enemy. So in Job 2, verse 7, it says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job, now you got to understand between that and then, it's a process. He's lost everything. He's basically homeless. He's penniless. And, and where you went when you were an outcast is you go to the garbage dump. And that's where Job goes. He goes to where they burned the trash, where they burned the dung, where they burn all the dead things. It's a putrid place. It's a place where the lepers and the outcast found refuge so Job, it says in verse 8, he takes a piece of broken pottery because that's where he was. He was in the place of broken things. You don't, you don't have broken pottery around your house. He's in, the, he's in the dump. He's in the dunghill. We'll see it in a minute. And he scraped himself with the pottery as he sat among the ashes, or I think we found the, the version where he's, he, we didn't find it. So, but the word for ashes there can also in some versions, I don't know if somebody has it in their Bible. I'd love to, I know, I'm pretty certain the King James has it, but it, some say ash heap, but it can also be described as the dung hill, dung hill. It's the place they burn dead things. It's the place where they, where, they didn't have septic systems. They didn't have sewer. So they took their what's the word? Uh, I always try to be nice and say nice words, but I can't pronounce them. So that's why you have four-letter words, because it makes room for these big, you just can't say, man, I'm just, that's a bunch of excre uh, excrement. Is that it? Did I say it right? Excrement. I'm so happy, because we had a guest with us, and oh, God, don't let him say. Don't let him say. I know he wants to say it. Please help him, Jesus. Yeah, you have one side that says, say it. And then there's others in intercession, praying in the spirit. God put a hand over his mouth. Keep him, Lord. Pull up, pull up. So Job is on this, this place where it, it, people would go to mourn. They would go to grieve. They would go in a national calamity. They would find themselves in the ash pile or the dung hill. I like that term dunghill because it speaks of the mound of ruins. It speaks of 
that place of garbage and that place of, of, of worthless things, things that are broken and that are no longer of any value to anyone. This is where Job begins his journey, learning to be a, in a greater way, learning to be a priest through brokenness, pain, heartache. He's worshiping here, we called it naked worship, because he's got nothing that he's got as an evidence of the blessings of God, and he's lost everything, and so he says, blessed be the name of the Lord, he gives and he takes away. I came into the world with nothing, I'll leave with it. There, there's this place, but now through the book, Job's journey is to find God. That's why he cries out, as we talked about last week, he cries out for a mediator. He, he knows he's been one for his kids. He needs one. We all need a priest. Job needed a priest. He needed someone to put their hands on him and pray for him. His friends never pray for him. If you think of it, here's a good question. Do you ever offer prayer to a friend that's going through a hard time? That's being a priest. You don't have to get all weird and, oh, most high in heaven. If you would come down, I don't even, I'd just go click. You know, I just, <clears throat> I don't know what happened. The call failed. I don't know, you know. The best prayers are just simple. Oh, Jesus, help my friend. Let him know you love him. Amen. Try it on the phone. It'll transform your phone. I'm not saying every phone call, especially if it's sales, but that might be a good way to keep him from calling back. You got a moment? I'm glad you called. I want to share what Jesus means to me. Debt collectors love to hear your story. Have you got a few minutes? Because really, I'd, I've got a great story to tell you. And, but prayer, you know, one of our folks, he's not here, so I'm brag on him, but he came to Jesus, one of our first converts in this church. Tough as nails, grew up in North Fort Myers. If somebody knows, uh, uh, what was it, Tropicana? Uh, anyway, grew up in the, where I grew up in Fort Myers. You always knew the boys that lived where he lived, don't mess with them. And but he came to Jesus. Big, 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 big change. And God got a hold of Don, and he's been in this church for years. I just heard a report here last month. His brother-in-law's dying, and he's in bed, and, and he got a chance to just share the faith he has and prayed with his brother-in-law to find Jesus. And and the brother-in-law looked at him and says, Don, you're always talking about baptism. Would you baptize me? Well, he can't. He's in, he's in a, and so Don takes his tears that are falling out of Don's eyes. He takes his tears and says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You couldn't get a better baptism than that. That's being a priest. That didn't call the pastor, get the professional there. No, you're there. Say a prayer. Learn to be the priest. Didn't we have to be a good prayer? In fact, Job's an ugly priest. Pretty priests aren't real effective. They pray fancy prayers that don't touch the heart. But when you can say something like, Jesus, you know, I don't even know how to pray here, but please help my friend. Boom! God just, he's all over that stuff. So Job is on a search for God. He feels abandoned by him. He needs a priest. So the book ends, which we're going to unpack more next week. It's just really cool stuff. It starts in chapter 39. But I want to kind of jump into the ending and see where Job's again on this dunghill. Job's in the ashes, and, and God comes to visit him. Man, he's been looking for God. He's been searching for God. He's never once prayed for healing. Nothing wrong with that. The, Jesus exhorts us to pray for the sick. But this is Job's world. 
He's not looking for relief from his problems. He's looking for relief in his problems. Most of us want out of, which is good, but in it, God may want to do something. You know, when you're on the dunghill, good things can come out of being on the dunghill. I think of a guy that uh, uh, used to go to another church, and I'd go to early men's meeting, and he would be there, and he's just obnoxious. He's just one of those guys that know it all, you know, spiritual know it all. And, and you know, if you know anything about pastors, the last thing we want is someone that tells us how to do our job. It just doesn't go good. Let me help you on that. Now, if you've done it for 30, 40, 50 years, I'm open. But if you've never done it, don't tell me how to do it. You've never done it. You've ne- you know, so he just, I just said, oh, God, he wears me out. It's called EGR, extra grace required people. I used to call them VDPs, very draining people. But someone said, that's not very Christian. So somebody else came up with a Christian cuss word of extra grace required people which is short for, he's in, anyway. So he shows up at our church and I'm like, oh no, Jesus, please, Lord. Usually I keep a pocket of cards from some of my buddies' churches. They're great. There are some great churches in this city. I'm, I'm talking great, better than this church. You say, don't tell them they might go. Well, maybe you need to. I don't know. You'll get tired of us. They're, they're good. I mean, I'm dead serious. There's some great churches. And so usually when a guy like that shows up, I go, you know, my friend over here, they, I think you're a good fit. I'm sensing the Holy Spirit. It's a good fit. So he comes to church, and, and amazingly, he's got a good attitude. I mean, he's, he's kind. He's humble. I'm like, wow. He was already a Christian, so I know he didn't get saved again. I'm like, he's going through a divorce. I'm sad for that, but it's working for him. He's he got nothing to say. Like, how can I help? He helped around the church. He was serving. I was like, and that's every pastor's love language is not let me tell you how to do it, but give me a job. And he just, it was amazing. And then he found this woman that liked him and he got remarried. And he went right back to being the extra grace required guy. I'm like, dude, you left Dunghill, but you didn't learn anything on it. You graduated with a degree, but you've cheated all the way through. You're, you're back to being, and he's just correcting everything I was doing again. It's like, no, you know, it, he's, obviously he didn't make the, uh, this, is, this is a dunghill church, if you haven't caught on yet. So if you're, if, if you're not comfortable with being around the dunghill, you're probably not going to like the vineyard. Because we're a place for broken people. We're a place for messed up people. Our motto is, perfect people not allowed. That's a little offensive, don't you think? Hope so. Because if you think you're here to fix us, you're on a wrong mission. God's here to fix all of us. Job's on dunghill. God comes in a storm, it says in chapter 39. Whirlwind. He speaks out of it. You can just hear the thunder of his voice. But some people can't conceive of the fact that the storm didn't just keep going. The whole time, God was in a goat just loving on Job. He shows up like a chariot, pulls in, and the chariots of heaven just stirs the dust. And he's on an ash heap, dust hill, dung hill himself. And God shows up, came looking for Job. He didn't snatch Job out of the ashes and put him in an oasis so God could fellowship 
in the prettiness of his creation, he takes Job from the ashes and they walk together through God's creation and God shows him the things he's made. It's just fantastic. We'll talk about it next week. But in this, this, this encounter with God, remember my theology is that he's meeting Jesus. So th- there's no discrepancy between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But God the Father is, lives in unapproachable light, the Bible says. He's invisible, and he lives in unapproachable light. As in, sinful people are not going to come into his presence. Not going to happen. till after Jesus, after the resurrection, new heavens and the new earth. So in the Old Testament, you see these, these appearances of the angel of the Lord or the, the, the son of man or, or uh, uh, it's, it's pre-incarnate before he was made a human. It's the word. It's Jesus, the son. He's who wrestled with Jacob. You know, they, they call it belt wrestling. And he, he got it on. Can you imagine Jesus? Oh, come on, let me go. Let me go. Let me, let me go down with Jacob. This guy thinks he's all that and then some. Jesus said, come on, let's bring it. Let's do it right now. He goes and wrestles all night with this guy. And Jacob's holding his own till Jesus cheats and goes, boop, touches him on his hamstring, cripples him. It's not fair, but it never said God would fight fair. It was just because what Jacob needed was crippling. Because he thought he was all, didn't, you know. And so the rest of his life, Jacob goes, yeah, I wrestled with God. I be, about beat him. Looks like you did, buddy. He limps. <laughs> the rest of his life. And the Israelites quit eating the, 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 the hamstring, the ligament, because it was sacred to them. Because Jacob wrestled with God and didn't get killed. That's a victory. When you wrestle with God and you're not killed, it's a victory. But when you win a a battle and you limp the rest of your life, I'm going to question that you won that. He changed his name. That was Jesus wrestling. He said, I just love the contact with the ones that I'm going to come be like. So now we're on this ash heap. And who, when the dust settles from the storm, there's Jesus standing there. Before he takes a body, but in the likeness of what he's going to be. To experience the dung heap because that's where he's about to come and be born in the dung heap. He's about to be made out of the same dust that we're made out of. He's about to become human and become our mediator and our priest. And for him to learn to be our priest, he had to be one of us so that he could suffer like we suffer, be tempted like we're tempted, feel abandoned. Like we feel abandoned, feel the, the, the foulness of, of the world. So God shows up. Job has this, it's what he's been looking for. It's, it's his, remember, there's, no, there's still boils. There's still scabs and worms on his skin. His friends are still mocking. He still has 10 dead children and no new ones yet. Don't know if Mrs. Job has been healed yet. Nothing's changed, but everything changes. See, suffering carries no magic in it. Hard times don't always create good saints. What happens in suffering is if how we respond to it. 
how we respond to hardship. Is it bitterness, resentment, self-pity? Is it life's not fair? Is it depression and despondency? Or is it, God, I need you in the middle of what I'm going through. I'd like to get out of it, but I need you in it with me. And that's where God shows up. Now, I want you to see Job's response to God showing up. Now, this is after God's, you know, taking him on a journey through creation and showed him the water monsters that are, there's more, we'll talk about those. There's more than just, is that a crocodile? Or they're demonic powers of hell uh, that God shows to Job that no one can tame but the sword of God. But anyway, chapter 42, the end of the book. Job says in verse 5, my ears had heard of you. Now, just stop there for a minute. He's heard rumors about who God is. He built his faith the best he could on a rumor. He, he heard about God. Whatever whispers he'd heard from God, there, there's this head knowing, but something's changing in Job. He's moving from the head to the heart. See, he had rumors about God, and that's like many church people. Many religious people have information about God. They've, they could fill in Bible trivia questions. They, they know different historic things that they've heard about the birth of Christ. They've heard about the miracles of Jesus. They heard about Moses parting the Red Sea. They've heard about Jesus dying on the cross. They've heard about you. You may have heard and know and, and you would agree with. But that's not the faith that changed Job's life. Job has a different kind of faith. A, I call it a naked faith. There's nothing to hold it up but God himself. It's, it's not a faith in his beliefs that many of us have that God's going to work this way all the time. We, have a, we often, and we've, we've covered this going through this book, you can't put faith in your faith. Because your faith will fail you. Your beliefs will let you down. But your faith in God will never let you down. Your understanding of the Lord might have to change. Your systems of how God does things might get shaken. But when you have a trust as Job did, though I don't understand, he says in one place in Job, even if God were to kill me, I'm still going to trust him. That's belief in God. He has this faith. So God shows up. He sees the wonder that God came to me. I, I couldn't find him. He found me. Where did he find? Where's Job when God finds him? What, 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 what? Look what it says in verse 6. Therefore I despise myself. I repent in dust and ashes. He's still in the dunghill. He's still got boils. He hadn't gone anywhere. God came to him. That's the whole message of Jesus. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. He stepped into the dung heap of this world. You say, well, this is a nice place. You know, it's got, it don't, why are you making fun of my, my, listen to me. You might not live in a garbage dump in, in the natural, but our sin is the foulest garbage on the planet. The most fanciest gated community is just as foul as an inner city homes. 
The gate doesn't stop immorality and adultery and lust and pornography. The gate doesn't stop bigotry, hatred, racism, pride. The gate doesn't stop suicide, depression, despair, divorce, destruction of families, sexual abuse. The gated nice places don't change the corruption of our hearts. We're all walking dunghills. Oh, that's a little harsh, Pastor. That's a, I've been a pretty good person most of my life. Well, that pretty good isn't good enough. Let me help you. Until you see that you are of no value, worthless, but yet loved. Not because of who you are. Not because of what you can do. Not because of what you have. He just loves you. Job, what's he got to offer God? He can't tithe. He's got no money. He can't serve. He's emaciated with worms crawling out of his skin. He can't play on the worship team because he can't. He's emaciated. But God comes to the dung heap where Job is. He meets us where we are. He doesn't say, get it together and come to me. That's the gospel of religion. But the gospel of Jesus is that he came to planet earth, the dung hill, became dung for us. So that's pretty harsh, Jamie. It's Bible. It's Bible. He took our sarks, our flesh, our humanity, our fallen humanity, frail, flawed, limited. Jesus had insecurities, fears, anxiety, never sinned. But he was completely human. You've got to feel Jesus in the dunghill because his message all through the Bible is, I bring people out of the dunghill. In fact, hold your finger here for a second. I want you to go to, uh, if you're following your Bibles, if you look up on the screen, if you want to cheat, but if you're following in your Bibles in 1 Samuel, this, there's a woman named Hannah. Hannah lived in the dunghill. Not, not poverty-wise necessarily. She lived there emotionally. She couldn't have children. It's an outcast. The dunghill represents the outcasts of the, of the, of the world. It's, a, it's people that have failed. It's people that she can't have a baby. And that culture is shameful. Shameful. She had other women having babies for her made it worse. Hannah's cry is, God, give me children or let me die. This is somebody that's desperate with God. And God gives her a baby. And this is her, she's celebrating him. But the propheticness of her words, but look what she says, because she walked this out in, 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 in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8. It says, he raises the poor from the dust. By the way, who was told that they would eat dust the rest of their life? Satan in the garden. The one that put Job in the dust pile of the dung hill, he put him there because that's where he has to eat the dust. Just a side note. But Hannah says, he raises. It doesn't say, and the good American poor that rise himself and scratch themselves out of the dust and, and lift themselves up. No, that's not the gospel. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the, this is our word, dunghill. 
He lifts them. This is like resurrection. I saw this vision in worship in, in the second service, and I saw this pile of ashes because the song we'll sing at the end is, talks about he brings beauty out of ashes. It's a Bible verse. But I saw this garbage pile of ashes, and I saw this hand like Job buried in the ash pile, buried. All he can do is get his crusty, worm-infested hand it's, it, 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 it broke free. His faith came out from the grave of the dunghill. His despair broke through the ashes. And I saw the hand of Jesus just gripping it, pulling him out. I was like, that's what you did with me, Jesus. That's what you do with every person. Whether it's a, a dunghill of self-righteousness, and I'm better than others because I'm so whatever, or I failed and I failed and I failed. However you come, we all come the same way. And Hannah says that God lifts us out of those places. And then he says this, she says this, and he seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. Now, that's redemption. That's what happens to Job. Now, let's go back in closing. Job says, Back in chapter 42, I've heard of you with my ears. Now verse, verse 5 says, but now my eyes have seen you. And you might say, well, I would believe more in God too if he just showed up and I could see him visibly. I used to pray that. I, I desperately wanted God to show up in my room so I could see him and believe in him. But that's not the kind of seeing that faith has. Faith isn't seeing in the natural it's open your heart, as Jesus said to Thomas that said, I don't believe unless I see the scars in his hands and the scar in his side. And, and, and he sees them, and Jesus is like, huh? you believe now? He's like, yeah, my Lord, my God. He said, blessed are those that have not seen in the natural, but yet believe. So God never seen the appearance of Jesus. But I've seen Jesus in his word. I've seen Jesus in his church. I've seen Jesus in worship. I've seen Jesus when I was in low moments of my life and people reached out a hand. And that might have been their hand, but, but inside of their hand was his hand. And with their tears were his tears. And when Don baptized his brother-in-law with his tears, those were the tears of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that Job sees God encounters the living Lord, his mediator, before he's had a bath. He stinks. He's foul. He's not healed yet. This is restoration spiritually. This is being restored in relational wholeness to God. It's like the prodigal son in the book of Luke, gospel of Luke. He comes home. He hadn't had a bath. He's foul. He's been living with pigs in dunghill. When you live with a pig for fellowship and you're sharing food and trying to elbow a pig out of the slop, you're in a low place. And that's when he said, I got to go home. And he, he went home and his dad runs to meet him and his dad finds him. He doesn't say, dude, you stink. He says, you smell like deliverance. You smell like restoration. You smell like my boy. And he washed him with his tears. He kissed him in his brokenness. You know, parents, you'll be defined by your child's lowest moment. That'll define you as a parent. It's not 
There are happy accomplishments that you celebrate. That's good. But it's when your kid fails utterly. That's when you'll define yourself as a parent. How you respond in grace or judgment. In condemning, God didn't, God didn't fail his test as a parent with his son here that had been saying a lot of wrong things about him and misunderstood and had been confused. God didn't come to crush Job like a bug. He came to heal Job like a child. He came to put his arms around. Do you don't think Jesus didn't, the if he wrestled with Jacob, he hugged Job. If you don't think Jesus didn't hug Job, he didn't say, Job, come here, buddy, come here. Thank you. Thank you that you trusted in dark places. Thank you that you never gave up in your faith. Thank you, Job. I love you, Job. I've been praying for you every day. The Father and I have wept for you. We've endured the trial with you. Thank you. We love you. Lifted him up. And listen to me. Listen to me. You never make the dunghill a zip code. I live at 1832 Dunghill Lane. Don't, don't stay there. God doesn't leave you there. You'll go there. You'll get there. But don't stay there. God raises you up out of there. God comes to meet you there. That's to me the biggest miracle in the book of Job. It's not just that God condescends. He comes down. But he comes down to where he is. He doesn't say, Job, hey, come over here. Stinks there. Jesus didn't say to us, come here. Let me take, come here. Climb up here, get closer to heaven. He comes down to the harlots. He comes down to the tax collector, greedy people. He comes down to the outcasts. He, he walks among the walking dunghills. He loves them. He prays for them. He heals them. That's the kingdom of God. Why is Job an ugly priest? Not because he got it all right, but because he did fail. He's, he's flawed. He says, he goes on to say in verse 6, I despise myself and repent in the dust and ashes. That's not morbid. Don't, don't hear him as, woe is me here. He's a happy camper. These are joy. He's, yes, yes, God, I'm sorry. He's crying but has life. This is Peter when he's fished all night and caught nothing. Professional fisherman. And Jesus is piddling around and goes, did you get anything? No. Well, why don't you go on back out? Try it on the other side. He's like, you're a carpenter. You don't know anything about fishing. And you're going to tell me how to fish? Oh, well. Nevertheless, at your word. He goes out and he catches so many fish, his nets are breaking. He has to call for his, help, help. What's going on? Too many blessings. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be? Wouldn't it be great to be at a church? We go, help, help. We don't have enough room. Let's send some people over here. And what does Peter do? He does what Job did. He tears his coat off. He jumps in the water to swim to Jesus just to say, thank you. I didn't deserve that. I deserved nothing. And you blessed me. That's what's happening with Job. He's not repenting as in the friends were right. He's repenting in the sense that he misunderstood and misrepresented his concepts of God. He, he's, God, I got it wrong. I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I see now. I heard, but now I see. I, I thought, but now I know. I, I talked, but now I've listened. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a different person now. My faith is different. 
I'll be a better priest. See, we use the word ugly to demonstrate what Job has lived through. It's not pretty. And it, he didn't handle it all in a pr pretty way. And he, he had some blunders and he had some mistakes. And he's human. Job's just like us. Jesus is just like us, except he's never sinned. See, I don't know if you had a choice to go to a pretty priest that gets it all right and prays fancy prayers, faith prayers, filled with faith, but no tears. Get all the Bible verses right, but don't get God right. An ugly priest is a priest that's been where you are at, that's failed, that says, but by the grace of God, that would have been me. I've been where you've walked. That's how Job's able to go to his friends that have been enemies, and he's forgiving them because they've repented. You know, when my wife and I wrote the book, The Power of Ugly, people have so struggled with the word ugly because we think of it as a physical, rude thing to say, you know, and it says nothing to do, I make clear, with, a, with appearance. It has everything to do, though, with places of weakness. The ingredients for where God's grace grows are found in the dunghills of our life. The ingredients of a dunghill is it's a place of weakness. It's a place of failure. It's a place of brokenness. It's a place of humility. It's a place of desperation. It's a place of loneliness. It's a place of I need and I can't do it on my own. And it's in those places God shows up, puts his hand out, and lifts you up. You don't crawl yourself out. Job was lifted out. Now, he didn't stay in that ash heap. God washes him. In fact, the tradition is there's a trough, a rock trough, that he was bathed in. I believe the Lord bathed him, washed away the boils, washed away the pain, washed away the sorrow, washed away the grief, washed away the abandonment. That's what, that's what water baptism does. You go in and we, we get washed clean. Thank you, Jesus. God washed him after he restored him. He, he didn't say, now you're acceptable. He loved him in his lowest point so he could raise him up to the highest point. That's the gospel. That's our Jesus. So when we wrote this book on the power of ugly, we got done with it. We said, we need a cover for the book. What are we going to do? I said, I know what we're going to do. I'm going to get a cow patty, cow manure. And I want to put a flower in it. So cow manure and a flower. Because the manure is the ugly. The flower is the grace. Grace grows best in ugly. And so we're on our last night at our cabin uh, that we used to have up in Georgia, 20 foot up. And this big, giant black bear crawls out of the woods. Walks right up under. I'm like, oh, my God, honey. Bear, 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 big bear, big, 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 big bear. He looks up and he goes, and he drops a load right there in the grass. And then he just scampers off. And I'm like, it's a gift. Get the camera, honey. She got her camera. I went and picked an orange flower. We went down there. It was still steaming. I mean, it was just fresh. It's scat. Not excrement, whatever. It's scat. Put the flower in it, took a picture. 
some of you were here when I did the series and had that as our graphic. And people were like, it's a little harsh, Pastor. I don't think I could have that book on my coffee table. <laughs> so we blew it up and made it blurry, oversized, and it just looks like this beautiful little orange and green and this berry-like material. People were like, is that blackberries? I'm like, yeah, used to be. If you see, you look real close. He'd had a feast of blackberries. And, and it, you know, it's kind of like a connoisseur of wine. You know, I taste a note of blackberry in it. And there's a little seed. There's some, there may be some, some seeds from, from pine. There's some pine seed in that. And, and, you know, I thought about renaming the church. See, what do you think about this? Dung Hill Fellowship. I'm all in. That's a little harsh, Pastor. I love it. I mean, you know, if they ever kick me out of the vineyard, say, you can't be a vineyard, you're too, you're, you're too whatever. I'll say, all right, we're Dunghill Fellowship. Can you imagine the cards we could come up with? Come on. Oh, that's, uh, that's how I don't know. I want. That's what we are. But by the grace of God, he doesn't leave us where he finds us. He lifts us up. He doesn't say make a zip code out of the Dunghill. He says, I'm going to seat you at my right hand like a prince. So when the prodigal son comes home, the dad says, get the best robe and put it on him. Get the ring and the shoes and put them on his feet. For this son of mine that was lost, he's been found. Man, he comes to the lowest points and finds us. He finds us in those broken places. You know, the Bible says he's near to those of a broken heart. He's reaching out his hand to pull you out of the ashes. Could be an ashes of just mental anguish or, or guilt or shame or loneliness or, or feeling of without purpose. Let him pull you out of the ashes this morning. Let him lift you up. He's not going to leave you where he found you. He's going to lift you to where he died so that you can go. He's going to bring you to be with him. Job you go now. I'm going to give you years to your life. And he went on to be an ugly priest for 140 more years. Saw four generations of his family. And he just walked with a limp. Just reminded him, God's a big God. And if you can't feel him, he's still there. If you can't hear him, he's still there. If you can't sense him, he's still there. If your belief system lets you down, he's still there. He's the God that comes and meets you in the dunghill. He pulls you up out of the ashes. I've heard of him, but have you seen him with this? That's when your Christianity will change. That's when worship songs will become sweet. Because now I'm not just hearing of him. I'm experiencing him. He wants you to know him. Job his world changed when his understanding of God was moved from the head to the heart of, I've seen him. And the sense is, and he's beautiful. He's wonderful. He's glorious. His redemption, my redeemer, does live. Let's pray. You know, this morning you just say, well, maybe I'm one of those that I've heard of him. I know about him, but... I've never met him. 
Now, I'm not talking about some alien experience where a UFO lands and Jesus walks out and shows himself to you, but I'm talking about a faith experience where you take God at his promise, and he said, if whoever calls upon my name will be saved. That's not hearing God. That's believing in God, seeing him in your heart. So what do I do, Jamie? Do I got to clean up? I, I, I got so many questions. Job never had one question answered, but they were all answered by the loving presence of his, his God. Job not had one boil removed, and yet everything in his heart was restored and the joy because he was healed in his relationship with the Father first. He had to come home first. Then he was bathed and washed and cleansed and healed and restored. So you're sitting here this morning and just maybe online and just say, well, I need to, I've got to move from a head knowledge of just doctrines and facts and I, I need a, a living experience with Jesus. Well, just ask him. Be like a little child. Say, Jesus, would you make yourself real to me this morning? And I want to put my faith in you and you be the Lord of my life. You've come to my dunghill You've reached out your hand to lift me up. So I'm just saying, Jesus, pick me up this morning. Hold me, Lord, in your arms. Let him pick you out of that pile of ashes, whatever it is that you're sitting in, your own self, whatever. Let him lift you up this morning. Father, would you just come and those that are whispering those prayers all over the room. Lord, you moved heaven and earth to get to Job. You've already come to us in Jesus. But now by your spirit, through your word, would you come to these that are whispering prayers of help, deliverance. Let them know that their Redeemer lives. Come, Jesus. Give courage to those that need to take a stand. In your name we pray. Amen.